Greg Boyer in the- <laughs> Hey, am I showing up yet? Uh, <laughs> yes. You are. You are there. Yes. How's yeah, everybody? Absolutely. We are absolutely doing great. Actually, great I, I shouldn't have introduced you because what I should have done is this. That's what I should have done. That should yeah. have been your intro. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to walk through a door. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> now Facebook will kick us all off because of displayed copyrighted music on uh, Facebook. So. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. all good. It's a good. How are you doing, sir? It is an honor to have you in the house. Actually, you know, I, I need to change this view, man. We we, we want to look at you and, and none of us. How, how are you? Well, it is an honor to have you in the house, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Greg Boyer. I don't know. This is we don't normally uh start this uh, uh late for interviews, but I'm glad to actually get you on. Right. Um, because man, it, it again, it is an honor to have you on. I mean, you're your career is extremely, extremely, uh, gosh, well-versed and you've, you've done quite a bit. I mean, obviously a lot of people here who are massive, massive Prince fans, uh, know you from, uh, your from ice cream. That's an interesting story, but we'll get back to that in a second. Oh, we oh yeah, yeah, we definitely we got to get the ice cream story. <laughs> Rob put that in notes. We got to get back to the ice cream story for sure. But we want to talk. You know, you are uh, a lot of people don't know this, but as well as trombone, you are also a multi instrumentalist. And um, what are some of the in- other instruments that you were like really, really good at? And Rob was tell we were kind of prefacing the show. Rob was kind of yeah. telling the story that you like to take instruments to the house and actually harder. dissect them. And and yeah, so tell us tell us all yeah. about this. Well, my grandfather was an electrician, which probably had a lot to do with the reason why I like to find out how things work mechanically. And right. and I was curious about other instruments, man. I would, you know, kids don't practice. I would just take their instruments home, learn how to play them. And where they had rubber bands on the clarinets or whatever, I was like, you don't need that. Just put the spring back on. And I would sit across the, 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 the band and look at the clarinet section and you know, the, the person whose clarinet I took is looking like some kind of instrument fairy just came down and fixed their horn. And I'm just <laughs> snickering my ass off. right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so what are some of the instruments that you're some other instruments that you're really, really good at playing? Um, I'm probably only good at playing trombone and, and, and bass right now. I learned how to play all of that other stuff, but I haven't touched it in years. So I, you, I, I made you, it my mission to learn how to play every instrument in the band before I graduated from high school. Really? Nice. Yeah. Wow. Have, have you actively played uh, other instruments with other bands before? I mean, obviously you're you're known as one of the greatest trombone players ever, but was there ever instruments that you played in in act, actively in a band other than trombone? Yeah, my uh, my first gig was on tenor sax when I was 15 years old. And nice. right around the same time, I was playing trombone in the high school big band. And I was also playing bassoon with the concert band and tuba. I was playing bass in church and and taking piano lessons and dreading every second of it because it was right around the same time that we used to play football in the afternoons. 
So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you were getting you were getting a workout carrying around a tuba anyway. So yeah, I, I have a <laughs> we have in uh, in my neighborhood our our school the middle school is actually walking distance from from in our from our neighborhood, and mm -hmm. so they don't even send the bus over here. There's a point to the story. Yeah. Uh, and and we so the kids have to they have to walk from our neighborhood over to the school because they will not send buses over here. Yeah. Um, and there's this kid that lives in a neighborhood that plays tuba. And I had to watch him carry that tuba up this long hill all the way. It was like, certainly they need to send a bus for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just for him. Like, I always feel bad. I was like, do you want to like help? I don't want to offer to help you because I really don't want to carry that thing. <laughs> yeah, I legit, I, I really had cargo before I had a license. So and I was always <laughs> bumming a ride. <laughs> With parents, you know, family members. Hey, can you pick me up and take me to whatever concert there is? Because I don't drive yet. And that might have been the catalyst behind. We need to get this little motherfucker a license real quick. <laughs> or at least a smaller instrument. <laughs> That's why I tell that kid every day. I say, you need to switch to violins. <laughs> I'll get to the harmonica. I'm good. I'm good. Right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, so like, who is your go-to for, you know, as, as a trombone player, who, who are you watching this? Like, Oh yeah, that's what I want to do. How did you even get into playing trombone? Was there somebody that influenced you or, I mean, who, yeah. who you go to? Um, Rusty McKeon and Jeff Davis, they were the trombone players in the band I was playing in and they would routinely miss this note on this song called Colonel John. And it drove me knocking foots. So I said, I'm going to go home, learn how to play trombone. And when I come back to school the next day, I'm going to show them, look, look, you some bitches need to play an A and not an A flat. I'm sick of this. Actually show them how to play it. Yeah. And they never missed a note again. <laughs> play it play it right yeah. so that's that's part of why uh i've heard you talk about the fact that you got perfect pitch so it's not a blessing necessarily it can be a curse yeah i mean i thought everybody had it my band teacher told me he say uh class what is the difference between this section and that section i think he was trying to get them to say the key change because mm -hmm. you don't know the word modulation when you're in fifth or sixth grade Right. I said, oh, it went from B flat to E flat. And he said, what's this? And you start playing on those. He said, you have perfect pitch. I'm like, BFD. You know, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought everybody could do that. <laughs> they were all like, show off. <laughs> right? <laughs> everybody was like jealous. And you're like, man, it drives me crazy because you can't play it right. <laughs> well, I don't Taking think they were because they didn't know what it was either. Yeah. It's <laughs> unreal. Um, so you began work with Parliament Funkadelic, and that is, uh, I've got Funkade uh, George Clinton and Funkadelic stories. I'm not going to tell them here. But I know that you certainly, you played with Parliament Funkadelic from 1978 to 1996. Yeah. And even I have seen them in concert. Obviously, you've performed with them, so you've seen them. You've been there many, many for many, many years. Yeah, uh, I have personally seen them probably about seven times. I think seven or eight times in my lifetime. Oh, and I am. Um, I've seen George do some pretty crazy things on stage. Uh, like 
uh, come out of the mothership with absolutely nothing on but sunglasses <laughs> and a wig. <laughs> we, were, we were talking. Were, were, were you present? Were you present for that? Uh, yes, I was. <laughs> I turned around and I like, um, I can't unsee this. <laughs> but you know, at, at that point, it was like, oh, that's just George. Is no big thing, kind of. And. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's when perfect vision becomes a curse uh, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah and i had heard the stories about sly stone joining uh joining parliament funkadelic for like a really really brief period of time and and sly stone was at the bottom of the stairs of the mothership uh at one performance and uh george came down in a very similar uh state and yeah. sly turned around and it was like almost right in his face and uh I think that was pretty much the end of Sly performing with Parliament. It was like, okay, we're done here. I am. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going to happen anymore. It, it, it's Sly, so it's probably some other contributing factors that are probably um, of renown. So. <laughs> he may be remembering it just a little bit differently too. I uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got his stories, but yeah. I, again, I have him. to be real careful too because you know I, I want to be. A, a hotbed of some inside information, but at the same time, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. So, right, of course. I'm treading lightly here. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, you know, yeah. I would I would say that I had some amazing uh, George Clinton stories, and I was talking about the fact that I was I had managed to be uh, got a press pass to cover Parliament Funkadelic and Your Mama's Big Fat Booty Band in Athens, and watching him take a joint from somebody in the audience, like a random person that he'd never met before hands him a joint and he fires it up i happen to get a great shot of that by the way um and i was thinking to myself first you don't even know this guy <laughs> it's like some of the things some of the antics that he would do it's just like he he was almost like he was indestructible or he, he carried himself like he was indestructible i mean look, look at him now he's 80 years old and he's a picture of health yeah, right. he's he's indestructible. I think he's going to outlast cockroaches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now now in that he does have a chair on the stage now, so he yeah. does he does sit quite a bit. Uh, yeah, which is the, fine. The, the joint thing, that, that was nothing. Shoot, when I first got in the band, people would just throw joints from the crowd. Just it's just like raining paper. It almost looks like they didn't <laughs> like the band, but it was all you know, it's all twisties, and you just light one up and. I say okay, this is pretty good, but the the one in the strawberry papers I thought was a little bit better than that. One. <laughs> you really didn't have a fear then. You, you kind of had a trust in the audience that you could just pick up a joint from off the stage and just burn it right there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The first time I met him, and you're right, he does have his energy level is totally different. The first time I met him was in '90. I don't remember. It was in the '90s, and it was Return of the Mothership. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was P-Funk All-Star Show. Bootsy Collins came. It was at Atlanta at the Fox Theater. You were probably there. I probably uh, was, yeah. Uh, and it was uh, George Clinton and, and Bootsy Collins made an appearance, um, which was a really, really big deal that Bootsy was there. Yeah. And I happened to have backstage passes and uh, went, got an opportunity to go into George Clinton's uh, dressing room, and he's jumping up and down in one spot. And me just being silly i got on my knees and and i said it's an honor to meet you and he goes get the fuck up 
<laughs> but he was, but yeah, he he was like jumping and spry and uh, yeah, you're right. He's gonna live forever, man. He's yeah. gonna live forever. But I mean, so what was the the main reason why you stopped working with Parliament? Was it because the lack of touring, or was it what was going on there? It was, well, it was several contributing factors. You know, there was an influx of um, musicians that I didn't quite gel with. And I'm yeah. taking a high road when I say I that. that. I can um, see that. I can see that. And the the fiscal responsibilities were really being a bother. You know, money was sometime e and and it even yeah. musically, I just didn't like what they had become. I was in the band, you know, '83 and '84, and it was like a, a well oiled machine, and it was so far from that. By the time I quit, I just said I can't take this anymore, and yeah. I, I, I tried to get the, the the rest of the horn section to say, you know, we can and make some things happen if we can get out from under this. But uh, I, I was the only one to leave, and 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 Benny and Greg's decided they were going to stay there and, and and be loyal to the 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 mothership. And I was like, uh, I think I need a bigger boat. <laughs> and, and Greg, yeah, Greg is still, yeah, Greg is still doing it. He's he's still doing it to this day. I mean, I think he's yeah. kind of. And, and, and in fact, I just got back with them this past June. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. For for the for the third the third uh, final concert tour. Um, <laughs> this is actually third final. Yeah, however long it lasts. But no, I was, yeah. and I I say that with kind of because. He did his final show. He was like, "I'm this is it. I'm retiring. We're done." And we went to go see him in Cobb. I was like, "All right, it's gonna final time. We're gonna see George and Parliament Funk Out." We saw it and was like, "Great! All right, we saw it. It wasn't that. It wasn't that great sound wise." I was like, "Oh, it's great again." And then all of a sudden, he had a second retirement. Okay, I'm never gonna do this again. And he did it at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. And I saw him again. I was like, "Hopefully, this is the last time." And then when I saw this new announcement of another tour, I was like, "Don't okay. go for it. Don't go for it." He says he's gonna retire. <laughs> like, Come you know, on now, this is three goodbyes. <laughs> it, it's good PR, you know. It makes for yeah. you know a grandiose. Uh, what do you call it? The guy that goes down the street, you know, rah rah rah, bingo long all stars and yeah. motor kings kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's good to say this is the last time because now everybody's going to come out of the woodwork because they think right. it's not going to happen anymore. But you right. got to think at this point, it's like uh, Lucy and Charlie Brown on the football. So right. you know, gonna, you know, why are you still kicking? Yeah, why are you still kicking? It's like right, exactly. Uh, I really, I really like what you said about um, when the when you're up there on the stage and the audience would throw, um, you know, things at you guys for you actually. Joints, it's okay. Yeah, well, you know, it's okay. We're unedited here, Jeff. What I like, I, I don't want you to make it sound like it's run. You know, Hot Wheels and, and well, see that thing you said about the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the fact that you said you would trust the audience. Yeah, because you can't. People don't don't do that now. You don't trust anything or anyone. And the fact that you okay. said that your audience was special. You know what I mean? And when Pretty you say that. that, it's a powerful thing. What was one of the craziest things that actually happened from a fan or an audience member on stage, you know, at that during that time? They all were. <laughs> I, 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 I can't put one above the other. And um it was just all one big circus. 
from the, from the time we I left the house to the time I came back home. <laughs> I can imagine. That, that, that's to be expected. With uh, we were talking about tales from the tour bus and how Bootsy had said that they did this entire show, uh, yeah. did this entire concert under the influence of acid, and they just did this entire show and they killed it. And then the lights came on and nobody was there. Uh, they apparently played to this room of nobody. Uh, and, and I was like, how does that even happen? How, how do you perform an entire show and then the lights come on and nobody's there and you're, it's, it's, you're just now realizing? No, really. It, I, I can see that. When you're up on stage and the lights are shining in your face, you can really only see maybe the first five or ten rows. Mm -hmm. Everything else you just assume is there. And you could be right, you could be wrong, apparently. But and even the lighting guys, even the lighting guys, got to be like, they know there's nobody. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, unless it's one of those like, I was only supposed to be here for an hour. Well, you know, somebody said, turn the heist lights on. I want to see everybody. And then yeah. you turn around and look, and there's nothing but like concrete and chairs. But it, 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 and crickets. it to that. <laughs> ten people, ten people sitting there in the chairs in the first three rows going, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. That's like Doc Ellis with Pittsburgh throwing that no hitter on acid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, wait, we all know that drugs have are responsible for some of the greatest things in history. Yeah, I've uh, only done that once, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to do this again. Acid or acid? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. yeah. Matter of fact, it was a nurse that gave it to me. Says, "Look, it's it's a uh, it's a tab of purple haze." I'm only going to take half of it, and I got to work tomorrow. And I was like, friend of somebody in the group. And I was like, Purple Haze. I was like, oh, I'll find somebody that wants it. And she says, yeah, but if you slip up and take this, you know, make sure that you're around someone just in case you have an adverse reaction. And I didn't. I just ran up and down the bus all night, <laughs> and I, I, I could not go to sleep. Oh. You know, just like ricochet rabbit you know for like hours and oh my god was this the p-funk bus yeah uh, <laughs> the, like, athlete, athlete the mothership <laughs> called the mothership yeah yeah I've, I, I've i've done it a few times and uh the last time was a really really bad trip i think i was uh curled up in a ball on rob's wife's lap uh <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, like she had to top you down. I remember that. Yeah, it was. It was like one of those. Like, okay, we're done. This is. Yeah. <laughs> it was like no more of this. We're done here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's. <laughs> it is what it is. Wow. Uh, but you were nicknamed Spider Man in P Funk. Tell me about how you got that. Uh, how you got that nickname? When the halls are somewhat close together, you can put your foot up on both sides and not touch the floor so i just thought that was a really fun thing to do and after a while i perfected it where i would put my hands on one wall and my feet on the other wall and i could just walk all the way down and and, and maceo tells the story of he's like he heard someone call his name and he's looking around and he doesn't see anybody and then he just happens to look up and i do this thing at him you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm over top of him. He tells Prince this, and Prince says, I don't want you to doing that here in this building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
and I'm thinking he's probably looking at the lawsuit aspect of it. What if I had an oops moment and I just go splat on the floor? I don't think he wanted to be liable. So I was like, okay, you know, if that's what you wish, I'm not going to do Spider-Man at Paisley Park. <laughs> yeah, he's he's also a very superstitious fellow too, so he gets weirded out by that. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh and I, I see a lot of comments in the the chat room of people commenting on some of the things you're saying. So people in your chat room, if you have any specific questions for Greg, go ahead and and get them out there. I'll make sure that we we post them up here so that he can see them. So if you got specific questions, I oh, I have to I have to say that somebody mentioned uh Lisa Loeb a minute ago. Um <laughs> for whatever reason, my windshield cracked. And I jokingly posted a picture to crack and said, I'm going to hire. I got a gig for Lisa. Oh. <laughs> it, it went over a few people's heads. They were like, really? Lisa Lowe? <laughs> Not knowing. And I'm going to say this for anybody that's watching that doesn't know. She's in the Geico commercial singing. They say, I got a crack in my windshield. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it would have been great if she would have saw it. That would have been great. Yeah, right. I've grown to be quite the smarty pants in my old age, man. <laughs> yeah, we all have. So, that, so then you move from Parliament Funkadelic over to Maceo. How did that transition yeah. happen? And, and, and well, we'll get into I was I was sitting in with Fishbone. Oh, they they asked me to uh to, to go out on the road with them. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because now in between all of that, there's some overlap with Chuck Brown. So I started playing with Chuck Brown in '89, and I still play with that band up to this day. But Chuck had we all had an agreement that if I had to go out on the road with anybody, that I'd be okay. And when I got back home, I'd be in the band again. So mm. I was doing a lot of gigs with Chuck Brown and a whole bunch of stuff. I turned the, the fishbone gig down. But they said, you're more than welcome to come and sit in with us when we played in the Bayou in D.C. They happened to be opening up for Maceo. And I sat in with them and they were like, wait a minute. I didn't know Fishbone had a, a trombone. So they came out of the dressing room and looked and he saw me. And, you know, Maceo, now we go way back, you know, to the days of P-Funk. And he said, you want to sit in on a song? I said, yeah. Then he said, you want to do two weeks in Europe? I said, sure. <laughs> then he said, you want to do uh, two more weeks? And that turned into playing with him all the way up until now. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I just. Uh... But so much of this stuff, it's, it's not like you're the best. It's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. And when that time comes up, you you just need to be ready. That's it. I mean, but think about all the legends you've played with, though. You play with Maceo, the legendary Maceo. You play with the legendary Prince. You play with the legendary George Clinton. I mean, that hat. I mean, hey, Graham Central Station and Gap Band. I mean, I mean, I know I could go down the whole resume <laughs> if we wanted to, but holy cow, dude! You were like, I mean, that that just Stanley Clark you into the legendary status yourself, man. You have actually shared the stage with, you know bands that people worship i mean have you ever like taken a step back and and just really just reflected on just how blessed you've been in that in that aspect or how you've blessed them <laughs> that's true that's true yeah. well you know you know once they hit the pinky ring they're good you know so <laughs> <laughs> no but <laughs> I, 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 I could see it 
I got to take this all the way back to when I first got in the band with P-Funk. These guys were my idols. You know, I, I was like, I knew all of the songs, and I was a big fan of all of the artwork on the album covers. As a matter of fact, Pedro Bell was one of my favorite members mm -hmm. of P-Funk. And I'm out there on the stage, and then George comes to sound check, and I'm going to meet George M. F. and Clinton. Ah! Mm -hmm. I walked up to him and he said, hey, fellas, I heard you guys knew horn section. He was just so human, so affable. And I knew at that point that all of these people that are pedestal worthy or whatever are just regular folks deep down. Yep. You know, once you get them away from the crowds and all of that, you know, like, you know, people talk about Rick James, for example, as being this really outlandish guy away from all of that when he was just james ambrose johnson he was as cool as a bucket of ice really mm. and, and you don't see that side of these folks and and knowing that they have that just kind of it, it doesn't it, it kind of takes all of the the hoopla and fanfare off of meeting these people yeah except yeah. pam greer <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Wait, you met pam greer yes <laughs> oh hold on Tell us story. <laughs> you probably didn't know just how well do you know, Pam? Yeah, I need to hear this. Not that well. No, no. Still <laughs> okay. listening. Quick story. Quick story. Okay. We're playing in Denver. She lives in Denver, and the promoter at the time was also managing the band. Is good friends with her, so we're up there doing knee deep, and I'm singing something about the music, freak of the week, la da. You know the lyrics. And someone says, "Pam Greer's in the balcony." I take a disposable camera. I'm running through the crowd like it's fourth and goal with three seconds left. And <laughs> <laughs> I get up to the balcony and she's sitting there and she's holding the promoter's brand new baby. And I say, hey, Pam, you know, I says, hey, my name is Greg. You know, I'm in the band. She says, I know. <laughs> okay, get your composure quick. I said, "Look, I'm, you know I'm working, so I just want to know if you would oblige me with a photo." And she said, "Sure." I said, "Okay, appreciate that." Then I got to go, and and so she takes a picture, and I'm sitting there with Pam and and the little baby right there that looked like it could have been ours. But <laughs> <laughs> and I take the picture. The time. And I say, hey, thanks a lot. You know, you know, feel free to stick around after the show, or whatever. You know, if you feel so inclined. She said, sure. So then I go back through the crowd. Only this time, they don't see me. I'm running at them from the back because, you know, so they really pissed at me that I'm knocking their asses down trying to get back up on stage to play this <laughs> horn part. I get the picture developed a week later. The flash didn't go off. Oh. oh. <laughs> I see her on the Capitol Jazz Cruise about 20 years later, and I reminded her of that. And she says, well, look, you need to get a picture now while you know you can. So <laughs> I have a picture with Pam Greer. Nice. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I've told the story. You can never trust those disposable camera. I Actually, well, this had nothing to do with the disposable camera, but I, I told the story about when I was at an after party with Prince and he came down the steps and, and I had managed to sneak a disposable camera in my bag and he came down the steps. This was at this club called Opera and I reached into my bag and I slowly pulled the thing out and I went click and I put it back in my bag and I still to this day have no idea what happened to that camera. <laughs> that would just be an amazing picture and I, for some reason I don't know what happened to it. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Um, 
I used to watch Trevor, who was his, um, I guess, his bodyguard and, you know, his the assistant or whatever, would give people holy hell for having cameras, recording equipment. You know, one of those people, what, you have a camera? Give it here. Down on the ground, smash it. Oh, come you know, on. Like he's at uh, Connie Corleone's wedding or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just, that's just insane. But uh, I do want to talk. We obviously have tons of, uh, as you can see behind me, um, and obviously we have tons and tons of Prince fans. Uh, we want to definitely want to talk about your relationship with Prince because that is actually the core reasoning why we uh, we had a last well, a couple weeks ago, we had a meeting with NPG. Yeah. Uh, we had Tony M, Levi Cesar Jr., Mike Scott. Who else was? It seemed like they were missing somebody. Was somebody else that was on the show too? We we had yeah. with uh, Morris on it. Yes, Morris, and Morris. Morris. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we had we had all four of them on. And we were talking about the '90s version of NPG, and uh, we wanted to actually talk about the 2000s version of NPG, and essentially. What really had changed with Prince between obviously the the the, the, the naughtiness of of the '90s with Prince to this all of a sudden this newfound spiritual guy that we're you know we're we're kind of witnessing. But before we get into that, though, I do want to talk about how you transitioned from Maceo to Prince, and from what I understand, Maceo uh, suggested you to Prince. Uh, when he was coming over to, to play with him. And how did that story all pan out as, as far as how your transition over to playing with Prince? Well, how Maceo got in was Prince was doing a session and was trying to get the sax player to, you know, play such and such like Maceo. Everything was like Maceo. Then he had the genius idea of going to get Maceo. <laughs> right. So, and... and the, the condensed version is he saw us playing together and he didn't want to break up the chemistry. So he said, bring the trombone player too. Now, once Maceo got there and he says, Oh, by the way, this guy does arrangements and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, he's, he's more than just a trombone player. I was like, yeah, you told him that. I said, no mention wow. of my driving record though. Right. Said, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> And, and that's how that started. I was in charge of cataloging all of the horn parts because, you know, Maceo would go on tour and he would be replaced by Najee, who would be replaced by Mike Phillips, who would be replaced by the return of Eric Leeds. So somebody had to chronicle all of this stuff. So we had to sit there and guess these notes. Oh, yeah. Candy Dolfer was in and out also because, right. you know, she's a rock star in her own right. Mm hmm. And and I have a box downstairs in my garage of all of those handwritten horn arrangements that wow. Prince decided he wants to use another horn section. Um, the guys from Grupo Fantasma out of uh, Texas, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. wants to use them. He says, and send me all of those horn arrangements. So I was like, mm, yeah, I can do that. So I sent them to him. He called me up a week later and says, "I'm going to put you on a plane and come out here because I can't, de I can't decipher this stuff." Right. So it's called job security. Yeah. 
Yeah, it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I read about Prince, and a lot of people don't know this, is that he obviously knows how to write. He knows where all the notes are, but when it comes to actually reading sheet music, he's not uh that wasn't that wasn't one of his forte it's not a big focus but i think i, I some one of the interviewers had managed to get that out of him uh the interview that he did that you know he obviously knows where all the keys are and he knows exactly where everything is on the piano yeah. and the guitar and everything but when it comes to seeing it in sheet form he's just uh it, it's yeah as you said yeah, now, I, now one of the very first sessions i did with him you know this uh myself Macy on Candy. We go in there and, and finish this song. And we're going to take a break. Prince says, I, I, I want to write a little something for this next song. I was like, okay. So, I'm like, I want to see this because I've heard the rumors that he didn't know music, but he could be doing one of those things where right. I'm only going to let certain people know. He gets a legal pad, you know, uh, 11 by 14, yellow paper. And in green highlight magic marker, he writes, help and then he drops it on the uh, the console and just starts walking out so i pick it up and read it thinking i'm going to see some kind of a uh, musical idea or whatever i looked at it and i just started snickering <laughs> and i turned and looked at him he just looked over showing this like <laughs> I just rigged it, yeah. Oh, you see, that, that's what I mean by you don't see people in the, the natural habitat. He was an absolute prankster. Oh, yeah. Now, we, we, yeah. we've always heard the stories about him. Now, in, in regards to your writing, though, I, I'm, I'm curious about this, but I, wanna, I wanted to ask you this before. One Night that Alone, night alone. Rob, Rob and I agree that one that One Night Alone tour was one of the best best concerts that we had I'd ever seen from Prince and I've seen Prince many 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 times um and I I was always I think one of the things that was so so cool about some of the horn arrangements and and, and things is just I, I always wondered who exactly wrote the horn arrangements were you responsible for like let's just take xenophobia for instance were you involved in the in the horn parts for that song because that song no. is fantastic you weren't. that that line is all Prince now Really, a lot, of, a lot of those lines were Prince lines, but what he couldn't do was break it down uh, for the section. It's like, okay, maybe if you play this harmony, or, or if you play this, and you know, we he couldn't manage the section because he knows nothing about horns except for he likes what he likes. You, you put one up in his hands, or you know, up his mouth, or whatever, it might be the worst thing you ever heard. <laughs> So that that is not his uh, field of expertise at all. He just leaves that up to people that you know. Before me, it was um, Mike Nelson, Hornheads, and before that, Eric and and Matt. Mm -hmm. And so you know, he just had this long history of people. And then, like after me, it was like Phil Lasseter and all of those guys. Yep. So. Who's got a great band named Filthy, by the way? If you guys not heard, it's pretty amazing. P I. P H I L T H Y, really super funky stuff with Phil. Oh Asper. yeah, there he goes. He, yeah, we actually, out, yeah. yeah, he's 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 pretty phenomenal. But yeah, some of the weird stuff that some of the the horn sections and stuff that would happen, like uh, he would do this version. There was a Tokyo show where he, he did his version of Sign of the Times, which was really ethereal. And this it's just got this really weird guitar breakdown, and the horn sections all of a sudden come out and go, but <laughs> just like these random. Yeah, hits um, and, and I've always tried to. I always wondered who exactly was responsible for some of that 
some of that structure because some of that stuff is is amazing. Yeah, I, I think Renato uh, gave us the core line and then say, okay, oh. you know, you guys do what you do, work with this. And it's like, okay. And <clears throat> like even Prince, he would have these fits, like he would do on this cannibal Adderley tangent or he would just, you know, immerse himself into some Wayne Shorter. And mm -hmm. he would ask me to, you know, throw together, you know, versions of those tunes. Like uh, there might be uh, someone's access of video of us doing footprints on the sound check. Now I arranged that for the uh, horn section. Oh, wow. um, Very and cool. we all just take solos, and, and then you know Maceo, he was notorious for just like coming off with these little licks that were real simple, but yeah. with executed properly with the section would just be like gold and he was notorious for that that's some of that old school mm. james brown stuff which um one of the things i learned from mace is you know it it doesn't matter how intricate the horn line is if it's executed properly it's going to sound good right yeah. now you're you're still actively playing with maceo now as much as he's he hasn't played since we all got called home from europe last year Oh, gotcha. So yeah. what? So um, if you had to look at your career from George Clinton to to Maceo to I mean, I mean, there's a laundry list of the people that you've worked with. All of them. I mean, what is one of the one is the one of the biggest takeaways that you've had from any of the artists that you've worked with that you still carry to you this day as far as performance is concerned? Because I know that Prince's focus on how you perform and how you carry yourself on stage to the presentation to everything that had to be a huge impact but is there yeah. something specific that you can think of throughout your career that that one artist that you work with regardless of who it was well you know prince like before we did musicology we were up in burbank rehearsing 10 hours a day for months mm -hmm. and then you know we went out on the road then he's like okay i want to tweak this so he was a, a huge proponent of preparation mm. you know, once things become a habit then you can't fall on your ass but also he was a proponent of spontaneity like keep things fresh so we would rehearse the show to a t you get the sound check the next day he's like i want to take this song out i want to stick this in and here's what the segue is going to go like so we're going over it at two to perform at eight o'clock with a meal in between so mm. with, with prince I think the the preparation was what made him far different than anybody else. The the preparation and the presentation. Now, on the opposite end of that, you have somebody like George Clinton that would rarely practice at all. <laughs> I can and, see and that. We it's just, evident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, somewhere in between, you've got the the, the spit polish. Um, Maceo Parker, you know, James Brown, you know, ten dollars if your shoes ain't ten dollars fine if your shoes aren't shine kind of thing. And <laughs> and then you've got like Chuck Brown where the groove is all you need. And if you're have enough musical acumen enough to put something on that groove that's not going to destroy it, then you're doing the job. But you know, no matter what those gigs are, and this counts for any of them. Once the downbeat hits, 
you're either prepared or you have really sharp reflexes and mm. you'd be able to spin on a diamond in a performance. So, and, and, and I take that with me. I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, the music is only part of it. You know, you still have to be on time. You still have to have an instrument or tools that work. You still have to have well-fitting clothes. I say any working music, musician should have a decent black suit for starters. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, just little things like that, that they don't teach you at Berkeley. There's like, you know, play the scale really fast and, and, and mimic this ghost or that ghost. And we're going to give you a degree. And there's a lot more to doing this music thing professionally than just that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because when you look at how tight we are, again, going back to one night alone, how tight that show was. Yeah, um, it was it was very stoic because it was one of the it was one of the few shows he was always really loose with with set lists and stuff. But that particular show was specifically the beginning part before he went into the Prince Piano and Microphone portion of that show. Yeah, uh, was very. It starts here with Rainbow Children, mm. and it goes to this, and this is kind of where it's at. But you know, all the choreography and the outfitting and the stage design that happens with those tours. You know, you're talking about specific suits. Um, everybody looked perfect the part, and there's got to be a real, real specific look that happens. And Prince has got to be okay with that look. Did you get to choose your own clothes, or did you? Uh, did it give you any issues with something that you did choose or yeah. you know, how much control did you actually have as an individual with that man? Well, I, I have to think that a lot of the reason why he had us wearing suits all the time on that tour, because he was uh, enamored with Maceo's band. We right. were a suit and tie band. And if you were in a rhythm section, you, you could get away with wearing a vest. But if you were on the front line, you had a suit and you really put some thought into what tie, what shirt, your shoes. And for me, it was laces. You know, I always had to have laces and socks. That was my my um, my own little thing. That, uh, right. I, I like that. <laughs> and, and Prince saw that, and I think he was like, and when I go back out on the road again, my band will have suits also. So mm. one night alone was that, you know, the, the pseudo-jazzy kind of thing. And he just felt like the suits went with it. You know, it's just like, you know, a holdover from Blue Note days of, you know, Miles Davis and, right. you know, all of those guys up on the bandstand and really had respect. And, you know, Macy will be the first one to tell you that I think that, you know, even with P Funk, for all the outlandish stuff that they wore, they really put some thought into what they were wearing on stage. They didn't oh, yeah, just yeah. come from down the street. Right. I was under the car changing the oil and just get up there and start playing, you know. Yeah, well, so it, yeah. it, in the early days of that, yeah, I see some some of the stuff I see them wearing on stage nowadays is like, okay, uh, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason, but there it always seemed like there was a purpose and a specific look that that Prince was going for. Yeah. To get to the core of what, um, you know, we were talking about the NPG version of the '90s version of the NPG versus the 2000 versions of NPG. Was there something specifically, because I remember one of the distinct things I remember, and I've said it many times in the show, was in 2001 at that tour when he said he was no longer going to use profanity from the stage anymore and mm. um, because he wanted the, the concerts to be family friendly and he changed everything. I mean, even the, the, the classics and everything else. Right. 
was there anything specific as you as a band that you that endures the right word but that you experienced as a result of this newfound spirituality you know outside of swear jars and everything that uh was really imposed on you as a band well i i think if you were like a uh a barroom brawler or any of those type of people you had to really tone your thing down because mm-hmm. no no swearing uh definitely no meat you know he had a chef to come in and cook for so you had to like close the doors in these arenas because they're cooking hot dogs out there because the concert is getting ready to start <laughs> right <laughs> and the whole arena is smelling <laughs> like a baseball game <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but no his i think that the biggest change was he didn't put his body through as much stuff when in the 2000s as he did in the 90s he of course was older but i I think if he wanted to he would have at least tried but you know as it turns out you know he was in, in an immense amount of pain from all of that jumping around and doing the splits and jumping off the speakers all that excuse me all those years wearing those high heels all the time yeah yeah that's just what was what was the first time that you actually saw a lot of the evidence of that of that pain i'm not going to dig too deep into this but i i i'm just curious that just happened to come to my mind he was pretty good at hiding it you know if you sit there and you squint and you look at him with one eye and say i see you hurting you don't fool me like he had a cane cane was beautiful and he just had the cane he just walked with it like you know somewhere between um uh fillmore slim and mr peanut (laughs) 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 monocle (laughs) the whole thing man and he was just real cool about it and 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 he, he he did a good job of masking it and I think that, you know, when you just saw him not walking around a whole lot and just not being omnipresent, and you, it was a pretty good guess. Yeah, he's probably not feeling that good. And, you know, that was the other strange thing, too. We would have these rehearsals and sound checks and stuff, and it was like he would just morph up out of the floor. You never saw him enter a room. <laughs> I hear <laughs> he that was, story all he, the he time. He was just there. <laughs> You know, he would get a cordless mic and, and then just walk like some back entrance. And then he'll start, you know, we're down there playing, or whatever. And he says, Hey, can you go over such and such part again? And you, you don't know where he is. You just hear the voice. You know, it, it's almost like I want you to build an arc or something. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, now, he's in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So now everybody's looking around and like, okay, who can spot him first? And it's like, okay, I see him. He's over there. He's way up in the B or C section, you know, just sitting like almost behind the back of the chair, just giving us orders and what to play and everything. So I, I think once we found out who he was, then he would come down on the stage and then run rehearsal from there. But I just thought that was the funniest thing. Like he had ele- little elevators 
under every seat and he would just come up out of the floor. <laughs> I always hear those stories. Everybody would say, yeah, I was staying there. And all of a sudden I turned around and he was there. <laughs> and then we had like Rick, there's, uh, I was talking to some lady at uh, Electric Fetus in, in Minneapolis and he, she was telling her story. Yeah, he used to come in here all the time and it didn't even look like he walked. It looked like he was floating. <laughs> Like, yeah. I couldn't find out that he loved those shoes that had the the wheels on the back of the heels. Yeah. And what he would do is instead of walking, he literally would like roll, like <laughs> roll <laughs> through would. the record. It was like this guy uh, he can't even enter a room like a normal person. <laughs> now, now he had impeccable style. We all know that. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Was, you know, yeah. Way ahead of the game. So consistent. But no way in hell I'm gonna wear anything on my feet that's flashing, <laughs> blinking, or rolling. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> These are some grown ass feet. I'm going to. Oh my gosh. You said that you were quoted as saying that working with Prince is a musical equivalent of being in the fire department. What do you yes. do? Give me details about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've said that on a number of occasions. He would just ask you to play whenever it, it, it's just, I think I need a band and it could be four in the morning. He says, I want everybody downstairs in an hour. We're going to do an after party. I'm like, at four in the morning, nobody knows anything about an after party. So I'm like, okay. So I got to get up out of bed, you know, put on, you know, my best giggy clothes. And that's the other thing, too. Don't change when you get there. Be ready. I showed up at a rehearsal once in Breakaway Sweats, and, and he said, we don't do that. I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, tomorrow uh, I'm going to wear a suit. He had Trevor to go out and buy me a suit that afternoon. An hour and a half later, Trevor comes in and says, here, put this on. So it just lets you know he was real serious about appearance. And yeah. that's what I got from that. Because, you know, when you're at that level, paparazzi is everywhere. They're hiding in trash cans. Uh, they had drones before drones were drones. So yes. and, and you just have to not look like a, 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 a ragamuffin at any time so we we're doing the um the thing get downstairs an hour get transportation we go to a, some undisclosed location and there's a thousand people there and i'm like how the fuck did they find out <laughs> not undisclosed <laughs> yeah it's it's i mean is any specific it was amazing that's what i mean man it's like you know the uh the 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 the, the bataclan is on fire you know, go over there and start a more a bigger fire and then put it out. That's why I meant by it was like being in the fire department. Mm. You know, there was no such thing as a day off. You now you're talking about those after parties. You could, so some of those nights where they would just go, he would just play forever. He just got done doing a two and a half hour show. And then he turned around and, and we can go back to that too. Cause I do want to talk about the length of the friggin' shows of George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, which I still don't friggin' understand to this day. The, the, amount of time these these guys play but to have one of these shows with prince where he's playing two and a half hour shows and he takes like an hour break and then he shows up someplace else and plays another two and a half hour shows uh i imagine you've played your fair share of those types of appearances is there yeah. any is there one specifically like the one you mentioned is there one specifically that really really stands out where you're like wow this is insane that we're like in the basement of this <laughs> apartment building or something it's just something yeah, it was it, it they were all you know pretty much wow i can't believe this is happening because you know social media wasn't on fire then like it is now 
and, and mm -hmm. how he would drop these hints and all of these people got word of it maybe it was the the mpg club or something i don't know but mm -hmm. i remember doing an after party when i walked outside the sun was coming up mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow that's i was like yeah this is a 24 7 job if, if there's any moment in my life where I, I really knew at that point that was it man <laughs> so i just you said wait 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 a minute jeff remind me he when we started the show he said there was a story that he had to share ice cream oh, about ice cream ice cream, ice cream. Yes. Ice cream. <laughs> we got it. We, we got we to hear this story. I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to drop the ball or get at the end of the interview and go, "Oh crap, we didn't ask him about that." All okay, right. so Prince, Manny in the elevator, Larry Graham, Tina Graham in the elevator, Maceo's in the elevator, and I'm in the elevator. So I walk in. I look at Larry Graham, who's wearing all white, and I just start saying, uh, "I want a nutty buddy." And my little brother wants a bomb pop. So I hope you cool with that. And Larry looks at me and he is hysterically laughing. He can't believe this. Prince, his mouth is, is, is just like, ah, you can't say that to the honorable Larry Graham. I was like, dude, look at him. He's laughing. I just couldn't believe I was saying that to Larry. And, and Maceo is like, Man, you have lost your mind. <laughs> Almost a year, I say somewhere between six months to a year later, we're doing a video to musicology and they're laying out the wardrobe. Guess what Prince asked me to wear in that video? All white. All white. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're dirty rotten. So anyway, oh, soon after we shoot that video, you know, they everybody in the band had a wardrobe case you know full of suits shirts and everything and you know the word would come out tonight's color is gold and white so anyway he announced that tonight's color was white and i go out on stage and it's time for me to take a solo he just yells looks at me and yells ice cream <laughs> <laughs> and I, and from that point on, whenever he wanted a bone solo, he would just yell ice cream. <laughs> wow. Because nice. it, it, if I could borrow from a Kung Fu movie, I made fun of his master. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Master! Yeah. Oh my God. I knew Larry. Well, I met Larry from when I was playing with P-Funk. So, you know, I had known Larry way before, you know, any of that stuff is a good seven to eight years prior to. Hmm. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I knew Larry. I felt like I could say that kind of thing to him and it wouldn't be an insult. So and it wasn't, you know, he just laughed at it. And, you know, to this day, you know, Larry and Tina and and friends with me and, and my wife also you know we just like you know four peas in a pod when we get together yeah. and you know the other thing too was prince was like oh you know i just want to see how spiritual you are you know how much of a heathen are you do i need to heal you and i would drop little hints that like look dude spiritually i'm all right you might want to save that effort for somebody that really needs it 
<laughs> right. And, and and Larry knew, you know, Larry knew we would sit there and, and, and talk, you know, go over a few things. And he's like, uh, I think that brother's okay. You know, he, he's not going to fall into the, uh, the the quicksand and, and the road to pestilence and the den of iniquity and all of that other stuff. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of spirituality, I mean, I, I've you know heard stories that he used to have prayer meetings, and he used to have um, you know different types of. Uh, did you did you see any of that, or participate in any of that, or did he impose that on any of the band members? He he did impose that on some of the band members, you know. It it and it, I, I think it might have been you know anybody that just couldn't say no. It didn't want to say no. I, you know, me, I, I had, you know, I had no's in all my pockets. <laughs> so, right. But yeah, he did. He would, you know, like go to Kingdom Hall and take some people in the band with him and and just, you know, stuff. Yeah, he was. And matter of fact, he even went door to door. Yeah, I heard I heard the story that yeah. him and Larry Graham yeah. used to do it yeah. did it together yeah. a couple of times. I couldn't imagine yeah. what it would be like to get a knock on the door and have Larry and Prince standing there. It's like even if yeah. I didn't believe what you were saying, I'm still inviting you in and you're, you're going coming to in. But you know, if you live in out <laughs> in Sanhassen, Minnesota somewhere, and the only thing you know is is Abba BGs and Merle Haggard, you probably wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't know who Prince and Larry Graham were. Uh, yeah, probably, it's it's on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, it's uh, funny man some of them old 70s songs man i've really developed an appreciation for you know some of that stuff like casey and the sunshine band i um, did not like that stuff when i was you know that age but as i've gotten mm -hmm. older i was like wait a minute you know that thing got a little bit of stank on it i think i kind of like yeah. that and yeah. dancing queen was one of those songs I, 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 feel I have like, to admit, you're right. It's if, yeah, you make, absolutely. If you can make a good jazz tune out of it, it's a well-written song. And I, yeah. I bet I could swing the hell out of Dancing Queen and it would go over great. Yeah, yes. <laughs> absolutely. That's one of those songs that I can appreciate and love to hear, but I can't sing it out loud. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> well, you no. can. It may not sound good, but you can do okay, it. It depends on what avenue you on. You know, you, know, oh, you don't want to be out there in in, in the barrio. You know, uh, uh, singing um, uh, Starlin vocal band, anything like that. <laughs> Freaking out the Starlin vocal band. I like. Oh, you ever listening? I'm not. You know down in that i'm just saying it's you know, no, I get it. it's another kind of market man. there was a lot of arrangements There's a lot of arrangements going on with that band i'll tell you that right now yeah, i get, yeah. really, we keep seeing these questions about uh bonnie boy or stacy boy says i'm black and i know we all don't all know each other <laughs> and all yeah. like with the same surname aren't related but did you know bonnie boyer before npg i did not know and i, I met her when i got with npg and and, and she was just laugh out loud boisterous and i was like look you know i gotta ask because you don't see many black folks named boyer around so you know you got family in philly or over there in east pennsylvania <laughs> somewhere and she said not that i know of so i was like well you don't sound related anyway so i just left it alone i don't i don't think we're related but you know yeah. maybe way way down or way way up in the family tree perhaps because because my my wife's surname is Boyer, my in laws are Boyer. Wow! <laughs> so, so when I told when now, I told Eastern Pennsylvania, 
<laughs> Actually, they are from Pennsylvania. <laughs> ah, see, <laughs> see, there you There's go. There's a Boyer Town, Pennsylvania, and every year they have some get together where everybody whose last name is Boyer just converges on this. It's kind of like the uh, the Sturgis Rally of Boyer. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're actually going to be converging this week. Left one side. Uh, so, so if you go and watch, are you a Boyer Voyer? Show's over, folks. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, man, actually, no. I'm just here for the food. <laughs> we're actually uh, converging on Pennsylvania on Friday. We're actually going to be going to Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. She's visiting family up there. But yeah, yeah. so yes, we got some boyers in the house. Um, <clears throat> man, I, there's. Hey, you were. Wait, hold on a second. You were talking about uh, doing covers of, uh, of songs. And I, I, when I was doing some of the reading up on this, I, I, uh, I saw that you had worked with uh, Mike Phillips. On yeah. uh, that pulling off the covers uh, album, yeah, and uh, it just got. I, I like. I'm gonna listen to this, and 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 I, I, I it just kind of blew me away. And I know that's kind of popular nowadays. Uh, you know, doing the the covers, uh, doing a little jazzy version of the covers or whatever. But oh. there's some great stuff on there. Just the two of us. What a fool believes. <laughs> but what really blew me away was Three's Company. Wow, I was like, <laughs> I can't believe. <laughs> That you took this song and made it so entertaining. How much I'm going to do a gig with Mike Phillips in, in, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, he's going to be doing some East Coast dates, and he oh, yeah. oh my god! I have a horn section here in town called the Beltway Horns. Yeah, yeah. yeah tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. and so you know, we just hire ourselves out and stuff. And he's going to get those guys to play with his band. And he, I mean, three's a company. Uh, thank you for being a friend. Do do uh -huh. do <laughs> That gig is probably one of the hardest, musically, one of the hardest gigs I've ever done. Wow. Because he just throws everything. It's like taking a, a, a three foot wide blender and throwing in nuts, bolts, and screws. <laughs> <laughs> everything. It's the whole kit and caboodle. He, he does hip hop. In the straight ahead jazz into a version of pop life that morphs into uh, a grooving high by bird oh it just oh, it, musically no stone is unturned it's an unbelievable show and it's entertaining at the same time wow so, wow yeah, yeah so yeah mike that, that is who i refer to as the bugs bunny of jazz um, <laughs> lots of voices in. Yeah. How much? Uh, how much input did you have on that album? Was it mostly just arranging the? Uh, yeah. How much input input did you have on that? Um, what's that thing? Uh, I can't remember the song off the top of my head. But he, 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 because I'm old, I draw blanks all the time, man. So, um, but whatever <laughs> that song is, he says. I'm giving you complete autonomy on these horn arrangements. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so <laughs> I had so much fun doing it. And God, if I can remember the name of that song, I'm going to. Um, yeah, to pull, pull up the track list of that. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I was just thinking. Uh, I think I got it right here because I was just listening to it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and while you're doing that, tell us about what is the Greg Boyer Peloton? It, the Greg Boyer Peloton is, well, I have two bands, and, and they're like mirror images of each other. The Greg Boyer Peloton is your, your, your typical blue note quintet, you know, suits, upright bass, and, right. and all of that stuff. But instead of doing all of that stuff out of the fake book and the real book, like all those other guys do, I do like covers of Sade, Blondie, Foreigner, uh, Funkadelic, you know, just all kinds of stuff that you would never expect Uh, a jazz band to do. Are you guys touring? I love that. No, no, no. Um, um, Would you? I I, I would. I would. uh, I can't entertain the thought of going on tour with any of that stuff without some product to promote mm-hmm. so you know once the cd is finished then then i can go ahead and say okay we need to go on the road and promote this that way they say if you really liked our concert we have some merch in the back we have some cds and t-shirts but i have another band the other band is called pocket jazz now pocket deriving from that DC go pocket. pocket, but oh, we man. don't do RB tunes, we do jazz tunes. You know, we do Miles, uh, Wayne Shorter, oh. and, 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 and just all that kind of stuff, man. Weather Report. So, wow, yeah. So, the, like I said, the mirror images of each other to the point. So, but I, I Peloton, I got that name because everybody's like the so and so quartet, quintet, so and so group so-and-so band and i was like what can i call a cluster of people that a name that hasn't been used before and i reached into my cycling bag and i just called it the peloton <laughs> there you go yes. oh rob actually pulled up the, the list here here's a song list of the uh the covers we got watching you september flavin year which i i, I steve that song Fine China. That's a Chris Brown song. Um, I'm to, uh, I can't move this screen. I, oh, I it's, it's intro watching you. September. Oh, what a fool believes. Don't ask my neighbors. Uh, flavor in your ear. Uh, people make the world. Just the two of us. Fine China. Three's company and keep it moving. Uh, what was that before Three's company? Fine China. I think that's it. That's that's okay. it. That's, right. that's, that's it. a Chris, Chris Brown remake. <clears throat> yeah yeah that's a that's that's a great song for, for that's funny i was listening to that song and uh you know i had read a, a, a review of it and somebody was like i really like this album but fine china doesn't really do it for me and i was thinking to myself i don't know what you're talking about i love that song <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> everything on there is just just yeah, spectacular fantastic uh yeah. alina asks uh from what you could see, did Prince have a certain affinity towards female musicians or ever mention if he preferred working with women? Oh, uh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm Basically, fine China. Yes, that's it. Fine China. It is. I'm assuming it's the remake of the Chris Brown song, which is a great, it's one of my favorite songs by him by far. It's such a great tune. Uh, but, uh, anyways. Um, we will definitely pick that up because uh, you actually get points on that album since you had <laughs> complete autonomy, at least at least a song or so. 
So uh, it's a great album, according to Rob. I'm going to check it out. I did not get an opportunity to see it. But um, uh, hey, can you still see me? Yeah, I can still see you. Okay, because yeah. you know, I'm behind a couple of screens, and I don't know how I got there, so I can't see you guys. But I can hear you real well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's break out the facial expressions, boys. Freeze! Man, oh, man. <laughs> I am having the hardest time. There we are. Okay. Okay, there we are. <laughs> Uh, Elena, yeah, asked, she said, uh, did Prince have a certain affinity towards female musicians or ever mention if he preferred working with women? I mean, I know that I, I think that he did. He loved working with women. Um, <laughs> but, uh, was it something that you saw firsthand? Um, I think, well, you know, just from being a guy and, you know, I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but women they're, they're a better looking band than guys um, <laughs> yeah they are yeah, definitely. yeah they are absolutely but you know the, the look is one thing you still have to be able to play your uh, your instrument and you know you got the likes of Rhonda and candy mm -hmm. and uh roseanne rad period yeah you know, those type of people you know you're not sitting there and just saying okay for a girl you know it's like them right. mofos can no. play right ronda's a force to be reckoned with uh yeah. yeah pretty much every single female he's ever had in a band is a force to be reckoned with from third oh, eye no. girl all the way dating all the way back to you know uh pre-wendy and lisa with uh uh gail and uh, i mean just yeah gail yeah he's never yeah. Has he ever had any women in his band that were not a force to be reckoned with? It's just, it's, yeah, gosh, he's a monster. Where do we go to get Greg Boyer merch? Good question, Patty. Um, let me see. I got this, um, Tron Boyer t shirts. You probably, I wear them all the time. So if you just pull up some pictures or whatever, you can see them. And, um, my website is down. I hate <laughs> saying that, but it is. And, you know, once that's back up and running, then you can get uh, Greg Boyer T-shirts or Beltway horns. It's an interstate sign, four ninety-five, but instead of putting the name of the state, it says Beltway horns. I have those available. Um, well, just this, so you know, this guy and this guy, yeah, Mr. Christopher and Jeff, we both do website development stuff. So if you need any help getting it up, just let us know. We'll help you out. Uh oh, um, problem. We'll 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 get you, we'll get you back up run it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know we'll, that's we'll, uh, gregboyer.net, right? Yeah. Greg yeah. So Boyer. we'll make we will we will do make it our our goal to to help you out get back online so people can get some Greg Boyer merch because yeah. you need some yeah. extra stuff. So so what are you doing now? You said you weren't touring with Maceo because he's kind of been out of the mix since uh, pre pandemic. What? Yeah. Um, what what's going on with you now? What are you doing? Well, um, still like I said, playing with the Chuck Brown band. Oh, that's right, right, right. Uh, so you know, even in Chuck's absence, the band is still going. It's uh, Frank Sirius, aka Scooby. He's playing guitar and singing lead. And the cool thing I like about him is, is he really honors the legacy of Chuck Brown without trying to look and sound like him. Everybody like I yeah. sound just like Chuck. I need that gig. Like no. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. We don't need any, as they call, make pretend Chuck Browns. <laughs> <laughs> and and right. this guy is unbelievable musician, great player, uh, great singer, does more than guitar, plays keys, and you know, the whole enchilada. So, you know, the Chuck Brown band is still out there. 
And as mentioned earlier, I'm still doing, um, I'm back with um, P-Funk. We'll be uh, doing some dates in, well, a date in New York on November 12th, D.C. on the 13th of November. And Lubbock, Texas, a place I've never been to before on November 20th. Now, How far is that from you, Rob? Uh, it ain't close. Okay. Nothing in Texas is close. I'm in Arizona, in Phoenix, so. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah, nothing in Texas is close. No, I drove <laughs> I drove from D.C. to L.A. I moved out there back in the 80s, and then I drove from L.A. back to D.C., and every time I drove across Texas, it was a day's ride by car, not by oh, horse. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Easily. Texas so Rob, is huge. <laughs> you have no excuse, Rob. You need to be at one of the shows. It's got to be. I would love to. <laughs> but we're going to be at, um, oh. I don't know what festival it is, but December 18th, we're going to be out at that new uh, stadium out there in L.A. Oh, uh, nice. Now, nice. L.A. is a little bit closer. I can go to L.A. Okay. Yeah, Martin, <laughs> Martin Kimber, uh, who is actually going to be on our show on the 19th, was it? This is the 19th of October. Uh, he's from Color Me Bad. Amazing vocals. I'm not sure if you uh, are familiar with Martin Kimber, but he's phenomenal. Uh, amazing, amazing vocals. But he's apparently going to be sending you a formal invite on Messenger to join uh, him and the unit as a special guest on November 20th, if you happen to be in that uh, D.C. area. Um, but, yeah, Martin Kimber and Color Me Bad, there's uh you all remember them but yeah and actually alina says hello from austin texas <laughs> so i don't i am like geographically challenged i don't know how far austin is from uh lubbock nor do i know uh how far arizona is from just, just apparently assume, just assume that you're going anywhere in texas uh, you know it's a four drive. hours is what they refer to as right around a corner right, right. So. <laughs> it's always a road trip commute yeah. <laughs> unless you're going yeah. from austin to san antonio that's about as close as two cities are going to get in texas right yeah, yeah. wow we did the same thing when we moved out here from georgia from atlanta and we drove through texas and that took forever that's a that's a whole another story but yeah it was just it was in, it was interminable it was forever yeah we have a couple more uh well yeah, also, when you said you were moving, um, you had your U-Haul broke down, if I remember correctly, and you had to like, drive 20 miles an hour through certain periods. Oh, oh, okay, so quick quick part of the story is this. It was 6 a.m. in the morning. Our U-Haul been, had been broken down multiple times. We're getting into El Paso, and I, and I can only drive 15, 20 miles an hour because the governor's stuck. And I look up, and I see the sign says um, – Highway, we're on Highway I-10, tw next 20 miles, one lane. <laughs> Everybody's going to be very pleased <laughs> behind you. <laughs> what is this happening? Jeremy wants to know, have you ever met Trombone Shorty? I have. Y'all work together, right? Yeah. A couple times. yeah. And man, my wife is like, she, she hates any trombone player that's not Greg Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> that's good for you, though. That's who you want in your corner. And this is the guy, and she's like, he's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw him, surprisingly enough, he was opening for the Dave Matthews Band in Atlanta, and I had never seen him. And uh, he opened up, and I was just like, who is this guy? This guy's incredible. Yeah. Like, not as good as Greg Boyer, but he's really good. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm humble. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gotta get your pinky ring out. <laughs> no, Maceo opened up for Dave Matthews back in 99. We did a 10-day run, and I have never seen anybody play music that intricate and that so far off of the pop grid and have that many, you know, these teenagers were like, ah, screaming, and bringing their moms and dads that were screaming also. I yeah, yeah. That, to this day, I cannot figure out how that worked. And it just goes to show you, you can't write a hit and you don't know what's going to take off and, and what, you know, what will. You just can't tell. Yeah, he's, Dave he's Matthews, is, he's an alien for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, Greg, I, I got to tell you, uh, it's been an honor having you on the show. I'm I'm sorry if there was like a miscommunication on my part or whatever that you end up getting here late. I, that that could be my fault, but it's 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 all good. I'm glad that we got an opportunity to to sit with you and I, talk with you. I'm, I'm telling you when. You, you said uh we i was talking early we're going back and forth i see you on the screen i'm sending messages and stuff only thing i thought of was the wolf on pulp fiction <laughs> <laughs> i wish you could have seen me driving now it's a little bit rainy out there but you know oh, in the God. slow sections i was going 80. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. so I, I i feel really because you know me and the clock, you know, have a pretty good relationship, so I'm I'm not late for anything. So I, I really feel bad about this, and my apologies to all of those people that you know went and and and, and watching uh, Below Deck or something like that <laughs> because <laughs> this wasn't was, happening fast enough. It was still great. I, this is a weird yeah. question. Cameron asks, "Can you still do a one-handed handstand?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I can. wow, that's nice. Wow. You know what? You know it, it, it seems hard, but it, it's a secret to it. First off, if you put Balance. your feet apart, it makes it much easier to do it. Don't sit there and try to do two-handed one stance and just take your arm away. You're going to fall over. Right. So spread your feet apart, and then you can do a one-handed handstand. It's wow. Yeah, it's pretty simple. All right. Yeah, we're going to do it. I'll, I'll just see it live. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just see it live. We're we waiting for that video. That's a voice I use when I don't want anybody sitting next to me on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. No, I was waiting for there. Great. <laughs> nowadays i just start doing the fake cost like <laughs> no, it was funny I, I got on the plane once and this guy was sitting in my seat i said that's my seat he says i have long legs i would like this seat and i said did you should have bought the motherfucker before i did now get up he was about a head taller than me man i think if we were just uh, getting a scrapping it, it, it wouldn't have been a walk in the park but he got up. He knew he was wrong. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg, it was such an honor to have you on the show. Yeah. I oh, man, it was my pleasure time. as well, man. And Thank again, you. my apologies for, you know, letting the clock run off so much. Hey, can you watch this later? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Matter of fact, after this, uh, after it's done, Brock, it will stay on Facebook, but it's also going to be on YouTube, and then uh, the audio version will also be on iHeartRadio and Spotify, and uh, a vast majority of different places that you can listen and wow. watch. So, well, as we call them, platforms. <laughs> That's right. Nice. Platforms. And uh, that meant a totally different thing in the seventies, though. But right. <laughs> <laughs> some had fish. And <laughs> next week we welcome the great and legendary Eric Leeds is going to be in the house with us next week, which is going to be lots of fun. That's going to be, gosh, I don't even know. Call me legendary. Is that going to get me a deal on a new? No, you are legendary. Are <laughs> <laughs> you looked at your resume? Oh, that's right. You're not impressed with your resume. Yeah, he's not impressed with himself. No, he's not impressed with himself. That's right. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> hey, you got something? No, I gotta uh, say that my wife always tells me, "I'm on my way to the gate." She says. Have a good time, honey. I say, honey, I'm going to work. She says, okay, don't suck. (laughs) (laughs) Were were you about to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, you got something uh, something crazy or surprising we could ask Eric Leeds next week? Uh, Might throw him off. Yeah, good question. you're willing to tell us? Something crazy, something that maybe you know, something unusual, something like nobody else, like you might have kind of an insight on. Maybe something that happened between you two on stage that he's yeah, uh, it's gonna catch him off guard. Something that you know won't get him in trouble. trouble. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Uh, we were, um, I was coming, we were all huddled up backstage, and I was late getting back because I was just you know out there just taking my sweet time. I get backstage to the dressing room, and we're all huddled in the back. And I see Prince sitting in the corner. He's looking all serious, and the band is looking all frozen. I say, hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late, man, but I was being held up by security. Somebody was trying to smuggle in some liquid chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody in the band wants to laugh because they know how he is about meat, right? But he just looked at me and said, you have lost your ever-loving mind. And, <laughs> and at that point, everybody had permission to laugh. <laughs> nice. So we got to make sure that when Eric's on the show, we, we tell him that uh, we heard that you were almost arrested for smuggling in liquid chicken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell him that you were late to our show for the same reason. <laughs> we had to bail you out. <laughs> yeah, Bond Bills, man. What's that guy's uh, name? Max Cherry. Max Cherry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg, oh, thank man. you so much Another for your time. Reference. <laughs> I, I'm I'm glad that you didn't uh, get a ticket uh, on yeah. your way to the house. And uh, again, yeah. I greatly appreciate you coming on. And it's been an honor having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Hey, man, I got to admit, you know, for a split second there, I was like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I got to go do this interview, man. Let me go ahead. We appreciate it. It's been great. I was great trying to do that on a phone on the road. So I was like, I just need to just go home and just make this right. Oh, so. Well, I'm glad you weren't sitting us sitting in your car watching us crash and burn without you here. Because <laughs> we had, I think we had like one news brief and... Um, uh, we had one news brief and one announcement that this, today is the 31st anniversary of uh, Prince's releasing of the Symbol album, which is 31 Love years to, to this day. Wow. And so, but that was the only two things that we had to talk about. And it was just like trying to stretch that out over an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't see, know this is where you there. say, 
don't try this at home. I am a professional. <laughs> right? <laughs> the rest of the scary stories. You guys are obviously good at your job, you know. So. Well, it's, yeah, you make it so much easier. Thank you so oh, much man. for your time. Oh, thank you. Really. Oh, my thank absolute you pleasure. so much for joining us. Everybody, yeah. thanks for hanging. Great. Thank you so much, Greg. You guys. What does that? What makes that noise? It's a roster horn. I do now. Is that guy? Yes. Yeah. That well, guy up there. Yeah, and we have we have a sound effect thing, and it's a. Uh, That's a good question. What does make that roster horn? It's called a roster horn, and I think the last time we talked about this, somebody in the in the chat room. Uh, said, oh, yeah, at all the Jamaican uh, parties, that's something that they always play. And I was not aware of that because I was trying to, why do they call it a Rasta horn? Uh, but yeah, it's apparently. All right. Well, well the next keyboard I, I, I buy is going to have one in it. That's for certain. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, there's there, there's tons of other stuff in here, too. Uh, oh, I, I, won't, I, I won't play any of them. Yeah. <laughs> Is any of them a shot of Hennessy? Uh, <laughs> I told you a bottle of Hennessy. I got you. I got you. We're taking, we're, we're taking care of you, but only for your birthday. Okay. Right. You got to tell us by the way. Okay, I guess it's going to be uh, New Year's then. New Year's. I got to wait fifty-one more weeks now. Well, your LA show is on my birthday, so I'm gonna have to come out there and I'll drink the Hennessy for you. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> we'll pull one out for you, <laughs> right? Yes. Absolutely. Out for you. So yep. When you're in driving distance of anywhere, I'm holding you through that, man. Oh, hey. <laughs> I mean, like, man, this is some good shit, man. Look what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a morning show all of a sudden. What's happening here? <laughs> a bad element, man. <laughs> a whole room full of truants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Good All night. Right, for Thank real you so series, much. man. I'm out of here. All right. Thank, well, Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you again. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Power, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great Greg Boyer. He's uh, he's heading out. See you later, brother. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you.